श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमान महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमाण हरी वो सो गुड मॉर्निंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू प्रणाम माय ग्रीटिंग्स फ्रॉम न्यू जर्सी टुडे एंड दिस लास्ट वीक ऑलमोस्ट सो हैप्पी टू बी जॉइनिंग अगेन online hopefully very soon live and direct so we can start with questions i don't know mahaprabhu if there are any questions and thank you for being with us today maharaj we have three potentially four questions uh, and the first one is from ganga shakti okay uh i will read it so if ganga shakti wants she can read it Yeah. Well, that's me. She sent it to me, so I read it. If she wants, she can. Okay. She can add something. And the ones who are so able, the, they can. They can activate the video also as well, so I can see your. Like I have darshan of Bhishnava's faces. That's quite auspicious. As much as you can, if not, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Tell me the question. Tell me the question, Mahaprabhu. Yeah. Okay. Our Gaudiya Sampradaya is generally focused on Madhurya Rasa and mostly on Parakya. Why is the Svakya type of love to Krishna looked down at and is it considered wrong or undesirable? Hmm. Okay. So, <clears throat> just brief introduction to the question just in case for those of you who are listening. Uh, Ganga Shakti is asking that mostly in our particular school of thought, Sampradaya, Gaudiya Sampradaya, there is one main emphasis in the direction of what's called sometimes Parakya Bhav. Um, it receives different names, Manjari Bhav, Babulas, Rati, and so on. And, uh, and it's, actually, Parakya Bhav is one of two divisions, and Parakya Bhav has two further subdivisions, all this established by Rupa Goswami. In a general sense, we can speak about Madhurya Rasa. Let's make some brief recap of these ideas. We, of course, know about different Rasas. Santa, Dasa, Sakya, Batsali, Madhurya. Mostly Dasa, Sakya, Batsali, Madhurya are the ones present in Vrindavan. In our particular Sampradaya, there is two main currents, which will be Madhurya Rasa and Sakya Rasa. So the main current, of course, is Madhurya Rasa, which is which doesn't mean that Sakya Rasa is to be dismissed or any other Rasa for that matter, because sometimes there are some cases of devotees having some genuine affinity for some other relationship with Bhagavan, and, and there is place for them in the breadth of Mahaprabhu's uh, dispensation. It has its depth and it has its breadth, and since Mahaprabhu's Yuga Dharma is the Dharma for everyone in Kali Yuga, no matter even which Sampradaya do you belong, there is place for, for everyone. But yeah, the, the, the Gaudiya Sampradaya, we could say, is specialized in the direction, we could say, mostly of Madhurya Rasa, because that's what Mahab Krishna himself comes to taste as Mahaprabhu. And it's a particular type of Madhurya Rasa. Again, Madhurya Rasa has two subdivisions, I'm just describing briefly. Swakya and Parakya. 
So Swakya has to do with being being connected with Krishna in a let's say legal marriage relationship, and Swakya uh, Parakya sorry has to do with uh, a, a relationship as a paramour lover. Inside so Parakya Rasa paramour love, there is two further subdivisions like Rupa Goswami describes as. Sambhogechamai and Tattat Bhavichatmika. So Sambhogechamai means a relationship where the devotee, as a lover of Krishna, wants to have direct romantic relationship with Krishna. And Tattat Bhavichatmika, sometimes also called Manjari Bhav or Bhavolas Rati, is that aspiration where the devotee doesn't want to have direct union, romantic relationship with Krishna, but wants to serve. Uh, Naika, which in aesthetic terms will be a heroine, which is having that direct relationship with Krishna, and by serving that Naika, that heroine, the devotee, in this case a manjari will be, experiences all that that Naika or heroine is experiencing. And in this case, of course, in our Gaudiya Sampradaya, that is connected with the figure of Sri Radha. Sri Radha is like the heroine, if you will, the role model, and the manjaris will serve her and by serving her, they will experience all that she experiences in direct connection to Krishna, which is some, I mean, what, what Radha experiences, nobody else experiences on that same degree. Even if one would like to have direct connection with Krishna, one wouldn't reach that level of experience that the Manjaris have by serving Sirada. So, in that sense, our Gaudiya Sampradaya has reached that conclusion, the most, if you will, convenient position, if, if you want to put it in some terms, regarding experiencing the highest reach of Madhurya Rasa is by uh, attaching oneself to the service of Sri Radharani and uh, in the spirit of a manjari. So that's the main emphasis and again, that's mainly connected also because Mahaprabhu is Sri Krishna himself, but coming as Mahaprabhu with a particular desire to taste Radha Bab, the, the inner moods of Sri Radha, especially three things as they are mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. First of all, he wants to taste the glory of her of Radha's love, then he wants to taste what is that beauty that Sri Radha alone perceives in him, and then she wants he wants to taste what's the happiness, the bliss she experiences by having that darshan of Krishna's beauty. So all this takes Krishna to appear as Sri Chaitanya Dev. So and the result of Mahaprabhu's experience, the, the, let's say the distilled essence of that, is the extension that reach, that we, for those who may have, of course, affinity in that direction, can experience. Because Mahaprabhu is Krishna experiencing Radhavav. But we cannot experience Radhavav. We are not Krishna. So we are not in the position of entering into the project, if you will, that Krishna entered as Mahaprabhu. I want to taste Radhavav. I want to situate myself in the position of her. It's not this that's that experience is not available to the jivas directly in that way, but it's available in the way of attaching oneself to the service of Sri Radha in the spirit of Emanjari and receiving her experience. So that's what Mahaprabhu made mainly available to the world. Anarpita Charim Chirat says this famous verse of Rupa Goswami. That which has not been given 
in the world for a long, long time, which is actually given once in the day of Brahma. Um, it means Anarpita Charim. Now, Samarpita. It's fully given by Sri Chaitanya, who is given Swabhakti Sriyam, his own experience to others. So, his own experience means Mahaprabhu is Krishna, experiencing Radhabhav. So, he's given that experience to others in the form of the possibility of pursuing Manjaribhav, which is a way of experiencing Radhabhav by attaching to her service. What the, in English they call vicarious, having a vicarious experience of Radha's Bhav. So, I wanted to clarify that point to begin with. <clears throat> and Ganga Shakti's question has to do with Swakya, right? Mahaprabhu? Or Ganga Shakti, whoever? Yes. Okay. Uh, why is not... Let me just read it again. Mm-hmm. Why is uh, Swakya yeah. looked up and is it considered wrong on her undesirable? Yeah, again, of course, when... It's not that it's dismissed in a fanatical way, offensive way, any relationship with Bhagavan is sacred, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami will say, uh, everyone will feel that, that their own relationship with Krishna is the best. Can you silence uh, your mic, Mahaprabhu? I'm hearing my own voice. Thank you. So, Krishna Das Kaviraj will say, every devotee will feel their relationship with Krishna is the best, and everyone is right. Mm-hmm. On a subjective level, everyone will have their own samskars, bhakti samskars that will take one in one direction or the other. So we are not like demonizing. Now, oh, someone has swakya bhav, they're, they're in maya or whatever. <laughs> they are tasting something inferior than parakya bhav. I, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes immature practitioners may may do that, but that's not what is being talked in the tradition. So again, every Sampradaya, <clears throat> I, there are different Vaishnav Sampradaya. So different Sampradayas will offer different windows of opportunity. And that's why there are different Vaishnav Sampradayas. I mean, it's not that all the, the Sampradayas are, spe- are specialized in the same directions. If you want, I don't know, to, to taste Batsalya Bhav, for example, which is not one of the main currents in our Gaudiya Sampradaya, but it's possible, of course, someone may have that affinity due to past samskars. Remember, no? if you have some affinity towards one relationship with Krishna or another, that's because of Sadhu Sangha. That's not because uh, we have that affinity already present in our heart from time without beginning. It's because at some point we receive some type of association with certain type of sadhus, and that created some impressions that made us inclined in one direction or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, the like the consensus, the, the common conclusion along all our acharyas regarding how the affinity to our, towards a particular rasa comes. Not because that's already in our makeup in an inherent way, but that's received by association. So my point is, maybe in this lifetime some devotees may join the Gaudiya Sampradaya, but maybe in a previous lifetime that devotee had association with Vaishnavas, I don't know, from the Balava Sampradaya, who has affinity towards Batsalya Bhav. So that, that happens sometimes, of course. Generally it's more the exception to the rule, but you, you can be an exception to the rule, why not? 
or we should know what to do in the, in the case of those exceptions. Again, you cannot just dismiss and say to the person, no, 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 I mean, that's wrong, you are in the wrong place, what to do? No, one is to think, well, what we can do to help that person. So again, in our Gaudiya Sampradaya, the emphasis is put on, on the Vrindavan pastimes and on the relationship with Krishna in terms of Madhurya, of romantic affairs, in the context of Parakiya. Hmm? Paramore love is considered a, a higher degree of let's say, <laughs> of, of, of dedication, if you will. Because the famous example is Rukmini. Rukmini is... And again, we are not criticizing if someone is attracted to Swakiya Bhav. But we have our own subjective take on that. So, for example, Rukmini is one of the main... Of, or the main wife of Krishna. Of course, this is outside of Vrindavan. Although, to complicate things further... <laughs> Our Acharyas mentioned that there is some external section in Vrindavan when Krishna is married with Sri Radha. It's called the Bahir Mandal. But the aspiration of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas is to go to the Antar Mandal, which is an internal section in Vrindavan where Radha and Krishna are not married to each other. But they are in the Lila of Parakiya, of being paramours. Again, all this is Lila. I remember I replied something to, to Mirella, I think last class or two or two classes back on that topic, how to understand properly this interaction and, and, and not be disturbed by that. Actually, Shirada is Krishna's own Shakti. Radha is, Krish, Radha is Krishna himself, is God transformed into love, is a transformation of God into love of God, if you want to put it more technically. Krishna is God, Radha is love of God. So, and there is no difference in one sense between love and love of and between God and love of God. Hmm? The Bible says God is love and love is God. So what does it mean? For us that means Sri Radha. Hmm? So Sri Radha is one with Krishna, she's God, but she's different with Krishna in the sense she's love of God. So that love of God allows interaction, relationship, hmm? dynamics. So it takes the form of she belongs to someone else. It takes the form of she's married to someone else. All this is the context of the lila. And that helps to increase all the dedication, all the surrender, all the experience of wrath and love. Which, that doesn't happen on that same level in a Swakiya relationship where, for example, Rukmini, the famous example of the Bhagavatam, when she wants, she wants to marry Krishna <clears throat> without having never met Krishna personally. She just heard about Krishna. And that's how it happens with what we know as uh, Purvarag. Purvarag means, I've never met Krishna, but I fell in love with Krishna by hearing about Krishna. Hmm. That's what we are trying to do, somehow or other. We have never met Krishna. We have never been with him in the spiritual world, something. So we cannot experience separation from Krishna after having been with him yet, because we have never been with him. But we can feel the first type of separation called Purvarag, which means I start to hear about Krishna, to know him through the year. And that's how the devotees see. The Bhagavatam uses this expression, Srutekshita, which means a devotee sees through his or her ears. We see through hearing. By Shravanam, by hearing Harikata from the lips of Sadhus, we develop an inner picture of our, our deity. So in this way we start to know Krishna, to relate with Krishna and to long for Krishna, to long for that relation, to feel separation, if you will. To feel separation in the sense of, 
I want to be with that person. I feel attracted in that direction in the context of service, of course. So Rukmini fell in love with Krishna by hearing about him. But the point is that and she was about to be married with someone else. All the arrangements were made for she to be married. So I will make the long story brief. So as you may already know, she wrote a letter to Krishna and sent the letter with a messenger. And in the letter say, Please Krishna, I, I'm in love with you. I would like to marry you. But all these arrangements are being made for me to marry with someone else. So please come and kidnap me and marry me. That's one of the of the types of marriage approved in the Vedas, with kidnapping included. <laughs> so the point is that what the Acharyas expresses, Rukmini was, as you can see, her, her situation was, she was still concerned. I cannot just run and fall around after Krishna. What will society say about me? So she wrote a letter, sent it to a messenger, and asking Krishna, come and kidnap me. That's a different psychology than Sri Radha. Krishna plays the flute. Radharani just runs, leaving everything behind. She's not thinking, what will fam family say about me? What will society think of me? I better send a letter asking Krishna to come. That's not present in, in Radha's psychology. But Rukmini has this idea of, of another considerations about the environment, her reputation, if you will. <laughs> so some way of showing the, the differences in 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 self forgetfulness in love, if you will, because Parakiyabab represents this topmost idea of self forgetfulness in love. Again, this is not a lack of self esteem or something like this. I got depressed. I forgot about myself. I want to kill myself. Nothing like that. But I'm so mad in love with Krishna that I can, I'm only absorbed in that direction without measuring any consequences. So that we find that topmost degree of expression in in the Braj and especially in the figure of, of Sri Radha. So, so in that sense, the Gaudiya Sampradaya is mostly having that focus hmm, on Parakya Bab. And again, as I mentioned, a particular type of Parakya Bab. Not only we are not so much focused on Swakya, we are not even so much focused on the second type of Parakya that I mentioned, which implies a direct romantic relationship with Krishna. We do not find that affinity in the Gaudiya Sampradaya that much present. There may be some exceptions to the rule, I know some, but generally the main focus in the context of romantic love is uh, Manjari Bab, and as well this other second current in the context of Sakya Bab, mostly Priyanarma Sakya Bab, which is the friendship that assists Krishna in his romantic life. So again, it's a type of friendship that revolves around Krishna's romantic life. Gaudiya Sampradaya is, is all about Krishna's romantic life, if you will, somehow or other, from the perspective of a type of Madhurya Bhav or a type of Sakya Bhav. Mm -hmm. But again, we are not dismissing other affinities. But for that, there are mostly other, generally other lineages or Sampradayas that will be more specialized in, let's say, Swakya Bhav in, the, in this context. Mm -hmm. Or things like this. And so, Bishmanat Chakravarti Thakur, just to finish my reply, in... Um, yeah, that's in one commentary to Bhaktura Samrita Sindhu. He mentions... If you are practicing Raga Bhakti, we mentioned that in our study of Raga Chandrika. If you are practicing Raga Bhakti, which is the practice that points to Vrindavan, and you have a desire to serve Radha and Krishna somehow in Madhurya Rasa, but 
in time along your practice you do not get fully you do you do not fully transcend the vaidhi element of your practice because in the beginning we we practice raga bhakti but there is some admixture of vaidhi bhakti it's a long topic and i won't go into detail now but but in time uh, our raga bhakti should become more and more prominent and there is no trace of vaidhi bhakti at all eventually in advanced stages so Vishwanath will mention if that is not happening and still you remain attached to certain elements of Vaidhi Bhakti in your Raganuga Bhakti practice, the result will be you want Radha and Krishna, that's your, your desire, but still you have some influence of Vaidhi Bhakti. So what will happen? You won't go to Vaikuntha because there is no Radha Krishna there. Because generally those who follow Vaidhi Bhakti go to Vaikuntha. But you won't go to Vaikuntha because you want to relate to Radha and Krishna. So what will happen? And you want Radha and Krishna, so you will end up in this, as I mentioned, this external section of Vrindavan. When Radha and Krishna are married, there is swakiya between them. But again, this is a different focus that the focus, the main, the main focus of the of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. So Radha and Krishna, strictly speaking, are in swakiya in Tattva. But in, in Bhava, they are in Parakya. That's what is important to notice. Tattva means the constitutional metaphysical reality. Radha and Krishna belong to each other. I mean, again, as I mentioned, this Shakti Shakti Man. It's God and love of God. You cannot separate them. So they belong to a one. They are one in that sense. In that, Swakya means that. Swakya means belong to each other. But how it plays out in the Leela, it, it appears as Parakya. Parakya means... It seems they belong to someone else. It seems Sirada is married with someone else. But it's a form it takes in the Lila to increase that belonging to each other. So do you follow? So in Tattva, Radha and Krishna are in Swakya. In Lila, in Bhava, they're in Parakya. You will never hear Parakya Tattva. No, it's always Parakya Bhava. But in Tattva, it's Swakya. They belong to each other, strictly speaking. So, some ideas. I hope that helps. But again, just to close, do not be fanatical <laughs> and condemn or demonize someone who may have that affinity. Of course, to have that affinity or any affinity for that matter, that's not cheap. Because that's also can happen sometimes. One may say, oh, I have affinity for Krishna like this, like that. And maybe not necessarily an affinity based on bhakti scars, It may be some psychological dysfunctionality that can happen. <laughs> or not maybe dysfunctionality, but maybe, I don't know, uh, you are a mother and you have your children and you hear about Krishna say, I want Krishna to be my child also. But maybe you are projecting your, your material, maternal sensibilities. Can happen. And, and that's, not, that's not the same as to speak about uh, rasa. that's totally different but my point is it's not that you pick one relationship with Krishna if you go to the supermarket like ah let's try Batsalya oh I, I want Sakya it doesn't come like that it's not that we choose something and it's come from above to our life it seems that we are choosing that but in one sense we should say it. Krishna chose us in that particular way. Krishna wants to accept service from us in a particular way. And because of that, 
He makes the arrangements for a particular sadhu sangha to come into our lives, and eventually we will find ourselves ourselves saying, "Oh, I, I have that affinity." But that happens because you already received <laughs> some uh, influence by the swarup shakti, by the bhakti shakti hmm? through the through sadhu sangha. So again, it's not that I will say, "Ah, oh, yes, Sakirasa or yes, Parakia." It's not that you pick, like if you pick a, pa- a product in the market, it doesn't work like that. So it's something that has to be genuine. So it requires time, practice, association, and proper understanding. So again, it's not to be taken cheaply. What, whether <clears throat> to express that or to feel that, we really need to be put to test. Also not to dismiss that, if that's genuine for sure. So... You follow my idea because in the name of speaking about these things, we could cheaply express I have this affinity and that may be not real, not deep. Or we could dismiss cheaply something that is really there. And that's delicate because it's bordering on upper earth. And again, maybe we, we do not have the capacity of proving that's genuine or not in others in us. Immediately it may take time. And eventually we will realize, yeah, that was genuine or we need to continue working out on that. So no problem. There is no rush. Do not, we, don't, we don't need to go neurotic about but what's, what will be my relationship with whatever, with Krishna. I mean, already you have some sadhu sangha and if one maintains oneself in the context of, of sadhu sangha, one will be properly carried in the proper direction. Uh, to begin with, we have to always begin with Dasya in the context of Gaur Lila. That's the most immediate uh, approach we have. Hmm? Be- even before projecting ourselves in Krishna Lila regarding Madhurya or Sakya or this Sakya or this Madhurya. We already have Dasya for Guru, Goranga, Vaishnavas in the immediate moment right now. So how much we are applying ourselves to that window of opportunity now, as much as we are doing that, that will be telling us how how much we are getting closer to the other window, if you will, of opportunity in, in, in Vrindavan, in the Krishna Lila. Because sometimes in the name of Vrindavan and the relationship there, we may be dismissing our dasya, our servitor identity now as a sadaka. And that's not nice. It's not nice to see devotees speaking about or even wondering, oh, I'm Madhurya or this or that, but when you see their example as sadakas, the relationship between themselves, their their surrender to their guru, there's not something very deep there. Sometimes that may happen and it's really unbecoming, untasteful. So it's important that we concentrate on us as sadakas, take proper advantage of what Gorlila is giving to us, go deep into this notion of <clears throat> I'm a das, I'm a disciple, I'm a servant. Disciple means discipline, so I'm willing to embrace discipline in a proper way. I'm not saying traumatically, but I mean, we need discipline. We are not under control. We are so much carried away by the waves of the mind and this and art and that and art. So we need discipline. We need to be aligned with some spiritual authority in our life. So as much as we are willing to surrender to all this, the other projection will be realistic. If not, it's just one movie in our minds and that's all. <laughs> Okay, I can continue, but there are some other questions. Okay, thank you. 
Uh, back to Shakti. Are you here? Yes. You have a question. <clears throat> yeah. Do you hear me? Yes. Okay. Thank you, then. That's more that. Uh, my question was about um, we were listening to a very nice interview between Archina Sidi and uh, Gurunishta mm -hmm. the other day. And um, uh, like for the first time, I'm hearing something which uh, is shared, like, so, so to say, like the messiness or the failures. Or the, it's the struggle mostly. Mm -hmm. But um, I was impressed what Archana City said at the end that because uh, Omkara asked um, how how did no, it was Kishore uh, how did you get uh, like fixed sadhana in all this struggle like how you uh, became like fixed established and he answered that we never get fixed. Like on the path in Archana City, she confirmed that you just get upliftment and then you go again in the struggle. And uh, like for for me, this kind of uh, like sharing was uh, because you recognize yourself also there in their struggle, no? And it's very curing and and very like comforting, I say. I wonder, we rarely hear such things. Usually we, we hear only these lectures which are full of philosophy and how everything is fine and everyone is enthused and so, all these things. So I just wondered how, how healthy is it? How, is it? Is it good? Is it helping? And should we mm, try to, to hear more such things? Do we need such thing? Yeah, this is my question. Um, do do we need which type of thing? Sorry, to hear more about like, uh, the the struggle this, to, inside to and so like on. The struggle, the messiness. As uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Explained and. Um, mm. Okay. Yeah. I'd say like something. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clear. It's clear. Yeah. Being difficult. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, of course that we need to hear those things. Uh, that's for me, it's part of the practice. I mean, we are not trying just to give a discourse about like very idyllic panorama, like spiritual. Of course, as my Guru Mahesh will say, Prabhupada will say, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. <laughs> but between the chant Hare Krishna and the be happy, there is a bra some brackets with lots of things to consider. <laughs> <clears throat> Because it sounds like a very simplistic magical formula. Chant Hare Krishna and be happy, yes. But what does it mean to chant Hare Krishna in, in every sense of the term also? And what does it mean to be happy? Because we have our own idea of what's be ha being happy. We even do not have a clear picture of what, what's the type of real happiness we, we are after. I mean, we think we know <laughs> what's happiness. That's our problem. <laughs> We don't have a clear picture. For example, we are given this series on Brahmar Gita, and Brahmar Gita deals with Sri Radha's suffering in separation from Krishna. And that's one of the two sides of the coin of love. There is suffering in love. There is not only happiness, there is suffering. But the suffering is not the type of suffering we, as we think of. We generally have the wrong idea. And the happiness we hear about, spiritually speaking, is not the type of sufferings 
we generally think of also. <laughs> so sometimes to be a conditioned soul means we have the wrong idea of what's happiness and what's distress. Mm? And we are trying to avoid mm, distress and we are trying to pursue happiness but we don't have a clear idea of any of them. And so in our attempt to avoid distress and pursue happiness in this world, we end up being more and more miserable because we don't have a clear picture of how to be happy and how to suffer. I mean, there is a way of suffering in love. I mean, love implies suffering, but not the suffering again, that as we know it. <laughs> as I gave the example the other day, compassion. Compassion is a type of suffering. When you see how, uh, someone suffering, you became compassionate. That means you identify with the suffering of that person and it becomes yours. But that's in the context of compassion. So that's in the context of love. That's in the context of your heart growing through that experience. And the scriptures also say separation makes the heart grow fonder. Even though it takes the form of suffering, your consciousness is expanding, not contracting. So you are growing. It's not so unbecoming as we may think. So I'm saying all these things because, again, sometimes we have we have a very idealistic idea of spiritual life and everyone should be smiling and happy and, and everyone moving their arms in the same dynamics during the kirtan and choreography is there. And that's the, the ideal temple. When will that happen? And that's not rea realistic. That's most probably some ev evasive method we have in our own mind. We want things to be in a certain way. And we still do not have a clear picture of reality, so still we want to be in control. Hmm? When we try to idealize Krishna consciousness, this should be like this, this should be like that, this should be the ideal thing, but I'm not fully enlightened, so how can I trust my own criterion in, in all those things? So my point is that the messiness, as, as, as Arjuna Siddhi called it in the series, <clears throat> in the Sadaka's journey, that's a, a, a crucial part of our life we have to go through. I mean, I, need, I, I do not only consider that we need to hear those things, but we need to hear those things sometimes more than the other things, if you will. I mean, the other things, what does it mean? Every, every devotee will be in a different stance, situation, stage, but, but all of us need to remain realistic. And when I say realistic, it means remain aware of where, where we are. Once some some lectures will be mainly made, let's say focus on where we want to go. Sometimes we make make let's make a study of I don't know Brahma Gita again. What's this, the feelings and experiences of the ragatmikas of the role models to follow? That's more, mainly a focus of where we want to go. Okay, and that's necessary. But also some other kata maybe more focused on where we are at now and how to deal with the relativity and the messiness for present situation and that's also necessary one is not there to dismiss the other sometimes the devotees get a little bit like extreme in, in no 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 that's too elevated we only have to speak about that or oh this is too relative we only need to go to the more elevated black and white no? mentality and no mostly both things need to be there of course in different proportions depending each case but as we always say it's like <clears throat> all of you have cell phone and all of you or most of you may use this GPS function. So when you want to go to some place you have to put where you want to go and you have to put where you are. So the two things need to be in place. Yeah. So this is the same. 
GPS, Guru Parampara system, GPS. <laughs> so we need to establish clearly, we want to go here, but here I am. And only after those two points are in place, the result will come. Oh, this is the path, it will take you this time, you have to go in this particular route, be careful here, there is some accident there, there is one fire there, <laughs> all this uh, information that will come with the... <clears throat> So my point is, yeah, we need to speak about these things. It's it's important. Actually, I was behind the idea with, of course, Urgent City about de developing this concept of the interviews and, and focusing the interviews in that direction. And and this is mentioned in the scriptures. I mean, it's not something that is not there and it's we are inaugurating that with these interviews. Actually, <laughs> it takes a, a particular form, an interview, but I mean, you read the Bhagavatam, so much messiness is there. The devotee falling uh, and, and being attracted to this, to this opposite sex, same sex, or this and that, and leaving their husband and degrading themselves and being confused. And so, why is she attracted to, to some fish or whatever? <laughs> Bhagavad Gita starts with the messiness of Arjuna, if you will. I mean, representing us, our messiness, totally attached and fearful and, and, uh, and totally disturbed. So, it's it's all it's almost in everywhere every part of the scripture. It may take a particular form or another, but that's there. When Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur uh, he describes all the stages of bhakti in his Madhurya Kadambini, as you may have heard, you, you, he reached the point of describing anarthani briti and, nish, and nishta. But before going to nishta, which means to be fixed, he describes the previous stage of Vajana Kriya, which means Anishtita Vajana Kriya, which means instability in Bhakti. And he starts to describe in detail Utsahamayi, Ghanatarala, uh, Niyama Akshana, uh, Tarangarangini, six, I won't enter into the detail, but all these six embarrassing, embarrassing stages of Bhakti. But that are part of the practice. He said, you have initial enthusiasm, but only some initial enthusiasm because you you started something and whenever you start something you are inspired but you are not really grasping the whole thing yet so in a very naive way you are inspired okay it's okay there's place for that but it will last for some days only be prepared for the next stage he says and then you will start to to feel lack of enthusiasm because you start to find some difficulty the first day you thought oh uh, this is so easy I'm chanting and I'm chant and be happy and it worked first day or second day third day but now um, some difficulties coming oh, what's happening here so the initial enthusiasm starts to um, go away and then he describes Visaya Sangara you start to struggle with your senses Ghanatarala you find again instability coming and going Niyamakshama, you have difficulty to sustain your vows. He even says Tarangarangini, you start to, <laughs> to 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 delight yourself in the in the fruits of bhakti. In time, you acquire some knowledge and some followers, and maybe you start to 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 be full of yourself because of those things. So again, all this is embarrassing. It's it shouldn't happen, if you will. If you, if you become like ideal, it shouldn't be happening. It's not the perfect way. But at the same time, it must happen. <laughs> it has to happen. If you are, I mean, to recognize your, your 
humanity, your messiness, to become humble and to go through the motions of all those stages. So the interesting thing is, all these embarrassing stages, Vishwanath Chakravartakur is saying, that's part of bhakti. I mean, that's part of the practice. That's not the goal. We are not to remain there forever, but you will have to go through them for sure in this lifetime, unless you have gone through them in a previous lifetime. That may happen. You may see a very advanced devotee who begins the practice in this lifetime like without going through those embarrassing chapters. It doesn't mean he or she has not done so that never, but most sure it was happening in the previous lifetime. So the point, if, if we have to go through those stages in this lifetime, I will calm them. It's part of my my practice. Again, it's not the ultimate goal, <laughs> but I have to go through them. So it's a very realistic way to yeah, to remain sincere, to remain honest. My Guru Maharaj used to say that Sadhu Sangha means, it's a way of putting that, of course. It's a, uh, Sadhu Sangha means that at the end of the day, we get all of us together, we sit in a circle and we start to share how we failed today. Like, like confess. Confess our failures with, not, again, not with trauma, but with humility and, and openness of our heart and receive advice and nourishment. So tomorrow we will, we will not engage in the same level of failure. We will engage in a higher failure. That means progress. <laughs> Progress means you commit higher and higher mistakes, if you will. <laughs> I mean, do not expect to not commit any mistake in your practice. That's totally illusory. I mean, as Sila Senraj will say, to, to, to demand perfection is more, it's more a demand of the ego, not of the heart. So, so I think it's important to recognize, yeah, our messiness. <laughs> It helps us to remain humans because sometimes in the name of transcendence we can dehumanize ourselves. And that was not the idea at all. Be careful with that. In the name of detachment and renunciation and knowledge, you can become a stone, basically. Hard. 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 Hi, Christina. Hari bol. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we want to serve Krishna Vrindavan. That's Nara Lila. Nara Lila means human-like pastimes. So we have to do something with our humanities, not to be totally abolished. We have to to embrace our humanity and, and to speak about those things, for sure. Again, not like being complacent and just, well, we are humans, we have this, what to do, it's about it's, it's life and we will remain like that. No, it's not the idea. To cheat, to cheat each others like like that, but also not to cheat each others, but not by not speaking about those things. Like if nothing is happening like that, so chant and hear this and do this, and that's all. No, sometimes we need to express, I'm having this problem, I'm having this other problem, I'm having this and that. Maybe problem or, or whatever, difficulty, how to deal with this. So many directions, so many directions. I don't know, so many examples can be given. Devotees can be attached to, to things that, again, I don't know, a devotee can be attached to pornography, let's say. And maybe we say, well, Chaitanya Charitamrita is not saying anything about that. Yeah, of course, but it doesn't mean that it's not something that some sadhakas are dealing with. So we need to 
speak about that. Of course, I may not give a, a whole seminar about that because maybe not necessarily everyone will be having that problem. But if someone has that issue, that needs to be addressed in the context of our philosophy, of course. And, and I have done that privately and personally with many devotees who had the problem. <laughs> Among other problems, whatever problem, each one has their own list of particular things to deal with in this lifetime. So so it's nice that we... we and these interviews that we are organizing, I, I knew, I told Arjun to see that I'm sure this, those series will be the most, most successful among all the other ones. <laughs> of course, also because sometimes nowadays people prefer to hear an interview than to hear a long, boring, philosophical class like mine. <laughs> but, but also because the topic of the interview is quite, it's really, it's quite relatable and it's quite connected to, to the, 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 the the immediate experience of most of where most of the practitioners are at at the present moment. So naturally, you identify with that. You feel, oh, oh, he's saying that. I mean, it's me. It's not him. <laughs> you identify with the narrative. So that's idea for sure. I mean, that's the whole idea of of sadhu sangha. Also, no, like you can identify it with in in so many levels. You identify, oh, he he did that. I did that also. Or or you can identify in another way. Oh, he, oh, he or she is such a high Vaishnavi. I will like to follow in that footsteps. I'm not there, but I will. So I, you identify in another way. You follow with the relativity and the messiness. You identify. Oh yes, I, I know what you are speaking about. And with the higher prospect that some higher Vaishnav showed to us, you also can identify like, oh, I would like to be there. So in in the two directions, we should be. Uh, like exercising our identification. No? In, in, in the relative stage where we are at at present, we need to share with the Vaishnavas and realize I'm not alone in this because that's one of, most, of the most difficult things. You have whatever issue you have and you feel oh, so embarrassing. I'm thinking this, I'm feeling this, I'm going through this. And you don't know that maybe most of the other devotees are going through the same thing. <laughs> so you start to feel alone. And you start to feel guilty and you start to feel like isolated. You self-isolate yourself from the whole group because you feel, I do not deserve this, I'm so falling, blah, 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 blah. blah. You become weaker, whatever, and you just leave. That can happen and it's not the idea. But when you start to speak and share in confidence, you realize, oh my God, I'm not the only one here. We are sharing one same struggle. We are not alone in this battle if you will so you you receive strength from that because you you give support to each other at least that's the idea it's not that someone reveals his heart her heart and the others instead of saying oh yeah i, I also shared that experience they will like <laughs> be hypocrite hide their own stuff say oh really you are going through that oh poor of you well best luck good luck and they actually are going through those same things they should say okay no no you are not alone come here Let's share feedback experiences. Let's give it each other strength. Mm? So we need that. Or even if you are not going through that struggle, but maybe you went through that struggle some time before. So as, a, as an elder, you will share your experience like a parent sharing experience towards their children. So they do not repeat the same mistakes. Or maybe they have to repeat the same mistake and learn from that. But you are there to give support. So we need that as a group, as community, as family, and as individuals. Again, we are individuals, but we are also part of 
group, family. The, the practice is, is, is individual, but it's collective simultaneously. We depend on each other. That's a very humbling point. For our ego, it's difficult to, to digest, but it, you have to, to swallow that pill. The very idea of Sankirtan. What does it mean, Sankirtan, which is the main aspect of our practice? Sankirtan means congregational celebration, let's say, congregational chanting, however you may like to call it, but it's congregational. Congregational means you can do kirtan, you can chant japa by yourself, and you should do, hopefully. <laughs> you can do kirtan by yourself. Let's say you are in in quarantine and you don't, you cannot meet anyone. You can pick Mridanga cartels and do kirtan, and that's great. But sankirtan, for that you need other devotees. You cannot do it by yourself. So it's very interesting because the very idea of sankirtan is you cannot do it by yourself. You need others. <laughs> you depend on the Vaishnavs. And, and, and they depend on you. It's, it's like interactive. So the very concept of Sankirtan, which is our our school, if you will, is from the day one, you cannot engage in this only by yourself. You need the participation of others and each other will give support to each other. And again, this support to each other is not just we sit and we sing, how nice. Give support to each other is also... We share Harikata, we reveal our minds, we open to each other, we support each other in, in all the things that will appear on the path. All that is Sankirtan as well. Hmm? Because San is not only the number of people, but the quality of the association. Hmm? So we need to be uh, yeah, willing to share. Hmm? And again, it's not easy because there is so much fear in in. in, in Maybe inside of us, sometimes we, we we have so much fear of being judged, or, or we judge others, or whatever. All these barriers that are part of the human psyche, and we are to transcend those things gradually. So we need the help of, of others for, in, in order to do so. So, so yeah, I personally support the, the project and, and, and like the idea. Of, and interviews are, are a very like user-friendly way of... <laughs> of approaching, touching these this matters. It helps us to really connect with with the other person. And again, identify, as I mentioned, this is a very important point, identify with with the Vaishnavs. That's how we will transcend our conditional, conditioned sense of identity. Because we have a mundane sense of identity based on ego, mind, body, temporary interests. So how to develop a new sense of identity by identifying with the Vaishnavs. And again, as I mentioned, you can identify it with them regarding what they have gone through in the past and you are now there, or with or where they are now and you will like to be there in, in the future. In so many levels, you can project your, your sense of identity. But we need that feedback, if you will. If not, you will remain, again, isolated and you will become weakened and weakened and weakened and... Maya Shakti will become much and much more and more powerful <laughs> in your life. I mean, you will. That happens. I mean, may, may, try it. Try it if you want. I mean, do not try it, hopefully. <laughs> we already have done it, I'm sure. So whenever we fail in these things, we will feel we are more vulnerable, more weak. Uh, and we need to be vulnerable, but in the proper way. Open our heart. Like Rupa Goswami said, What's the verse? Uh, 
So one of the interactions of love between the both is, is you rebel, reveal your mind in a confidential way and you re receive other one's heart in a confidential way. This type of interaction, which sometimes, of course, are not the public for public con consumption, <laughs> but somehow or other we need to to have that connection with someone, at least one person, at least <laughs> one Vaishnav in our life that, that is... We, we can have the trust, that confidence. I mean, this word trust and confidence, please, you have to tattoo that word in your mind, basically. <laughs> because that's the only thing that will help you to overcome fear. And fear is that thing that makes you calculate and do not surrender fully. Because you are, maybe not, maybe not, I don't know. But trust and confidence is that which helps you to transcend. It's the beginning of love. But of course we need to have a proper object for that. I'm not promoting blind trust, if you will. But we need to do so. At some point, our heart will require that. So that's how we will relate with the Guru, Vishrambena Guru Seva. A very friendly confidence. Of course, with respect, dedication, veneration. But also, there is a sense of trust and affection, well wishing. So we need to establish those types of relationships in our life and, and as much as we are able to do so we will be totally protected i mean we will really we will really protect it from ourselves to begin with <laughs> and whenever some nonsense situation comes in our mind that connection that trust that confidence we have with those sadhus that will come to the surface and protect us from any other thing so some ideas i hope that helps bhakti shakti Thank you very much, yes. I also wanted to add that uh, your lectures are not at all boring. <laughs> they give so much <laughs> taste, and, but it's like like the, the, the highest goal, like having some uh, idea, <laughs> like some glimpse, and it yeah. is very enthusiastic yeah, yeah. and beautiful. Yeah, and I just wanted to add this. Yeah, and of course, every devote in their particular situation will have different necessities. Some may need to hear more about the immediate situation they are in and how to deal with certain issues. Some other will have more adhikar for hearing about the goal to attain because they, they are getting closer to that. So they need further impetus in that direction. So it's different degrees. But all of us, some generally, at least for most of the devotees, need to hear a little bit of both things in different proportions, at least for the most part. So, how to properly balance that? Of course, we need proper guidance and we need also to be honest with ourselves. I mean, if you are honest, you will realize how much you need to hear something, how much you don't need to hear something. We have to pay close attention also to that, to be introspective for sure. So what else? Any other question? Yes, I, I, I have a question. Okay. If there is time. Yeah. How many questions do we have still? Uh, uh, my question, and uh, maybe Mireva has a question. But... Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's, um, it's connected to the previous one, I think. And it's, uh, 
Sometimes you want to break down some trees, Mahaprabhu? No, but I want to be myself <laughs> and be a devotee at the same time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I want to be a yeah. Okay. So I, I think you say I want to be myself and I want to be a devotee at the same time. So I think one, we should understand that the two things are the same thing, ideally. To be a devotee means to be myself. I mean, I, I sh we shouldn't have a separate idea of who I am and what does it mean to be a devotee? I mean, I know that sometimes this notion is there, more dualistic sense of identity in the beginning. And you speak in terms of my material life, my my material, my spiritual life. And you create a... You, one self is creating the, the duality, basically. <laughs> but ideally, bhakti is about... Uh, a, a, a particular type of transcendence. You no, know? as fact as we, we 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 
we look for a particular type of transcendence in which we are not dismissing anything. We are not like followers of Sankara saying, uh, Jagan Mitya, Brahman Satya Jagan Mitya. The world is false, so you should reject everything as illusory. Sometimes this discourse uh, filters into the language of devotees and some jnani-like conception, but actually Bhakti's transcendence is all about integration. I, w- I, do want, I do not want to dismiss anything, but I want to integrate everything in with the center, with the proper center in place. That's bhakti. I mean, so I don't need to to create a, s- a separate thing. I don't need to have my material life and my spiritual life. Bhakti means the two become one. Mm. And the same idea. I want to be myself, and I want to be a devotee. Strictly speaking, to be a devotee means to be myself in the fullest sense of the term. So uh, we should, I will say we should, uh, and of course I'm not trying here to give you, there is no magical formula, I will tell you 10 words and already you are yourself and you are a devotee and you have reached there. I mean, you have to, to embrace the whole path with all the messiness implied there as we were speaking in the previous reply. <laughs> so it, it may take years and lifetimes to find the, the ultimate answer to your question in terms of reaching the insight. But but conceptually speaking, we say, I want to be myself. I've heard this, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you are saying like that, but I've heard many devotees saying like, I want to be myself. Yes, I, I also want to be myself. But first I want to know who I am. <laughs> Generally, we don't have a clear picture of who we are. One thing is to say, I have this particular acquired nature in this particular lifetime to which, I, in relation to which I am identify with, and, and I need to have that sense of identity balanced, and in order I can integrate it into the context of bhakti. That's one thing, and I agree with that. It's no problem, but it's imp- important that you realize it's an upadi. What do we call upadi? Upadi means a temporary designation. For example, in this lifetime, let's say. One is born and, and, and one feels oneself a gay person, homosexual. So what's homosexuality, strictly speaking, is an upadi to be transcended eventually. What's heterosexuality, it's an upadi to be transcended. <laughs> I, I mean, but when I say transcended, again, remember what I said before, transcending means integrated. I'm not saying dismissed or condemning, or demonizing. <laughs> it means, I have acquired this particular swabhav, or nature, in this lifetime, I feel myself gay, or I feel myself not gay, or I feel myself whatever, beyond gender, whatever, I know this may be a hot topic nowadays, but whatever, designation. I feel myself Swedish, Bulgarian, or, or, or whatever. We should understand, this has nothing to do with the Atma. I mean, with the, 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 the permanent, eternal reality of the soul. I'm not saying this, and I know that the devotees say these same things in fundamentalist way and fanatic way, <laughs> and, and that's why people run and I want to be myself. <laughs> but at the same time, we should learn to say those same things in the proper way, because they are still true. I mean, it's, it's still true that we are not this body in one sense, we are not this mind and ego, blah, blah, blah. We are souls and the soul has a potential. I mean, there's ways to, to say that nicely, <laughs> not in a traumatic way. Uh, but at the same time, of course, there is place to 
to be balanced in the world because we are in the world, we are human beings and on different levels we have different uh, engagements with the world so we need to be balanced and integrate or be integrated beings, integrated human beings having a clear balanced mind and that doesn't go against bhakti, it shouldn't because again bhakti is about integration the world is one energy of Bhagavan, so it's not against us, against us. <laughs> we are we may be against it, trying to explode it. That's a problem. I mean Maya is not against us. If you approach Maya with Krishna in mind, Maya will act as a nourishing mother, not not as a bewitching uh, whatever lady or whatever you may like to call it. It's it's about our own approach. So and regarding the specific situation you mentioned, of course, I, I, I understand the point, and I've seen many examples of that, that devotees wanted to be devotees. <laughs> but having the wrong idea about what, what does it mean to be a devotee, and in the name of trying to be a devotee, they are actually being evasive to their acquired some scars, their acquired, sorry, uh, upadis or swabhav, hmm? relative, acquired nature. Acquired nature. The very word it says acquired. So it's acquired. In his lifetime we have a certain psychology. Next lifetime we won't have that psychology. In previous lifetime we didn't have that psychology. But it's acquired. Okay, we have to do something with that stuff. So sometimes devotees in the name of being devotees they just want to dismiss that acquired nature instead of trying to engage that in the service of Krishna. So what happens is Unfortunately, as, as the examples you share, sometimes when something happens, whatever, <laughs> in their path, sometimes they, pew, you know, they stop being devotees and then return to certain previous habits uh, because they were not able to, to properly establish themselves in a devotional identity and we cannot survive without a sense of identity. So they were having, in, a, in an immature way, an, an, an illusory idea. I'm a devotee. I'm being a devotee. But in a very evasive way, and a very like external way, and I'm doing this, but not really paying attention to all the issues that have to be dealt with for being a devotee proper. <laughs> so whenever some problem was there, like, all this devotee project disappears, and they immediately run back to the other sense of identity because again you cannot survive without an identity so they were not really able they were not really establishing themselves as Vaishnavs in, in an integrated way but they created this duality I was this person and I don't I hate that person now I want to be a devotee <laughs> and they do not end being one thing nor the other at the end of, of the day no? so, but of course again you have to be someone because you will go crazy without an identity that's paranoia so generally, <clears throat> sometimes people run to that direction. But the whole idea is, again, we have a nature. We are identified. Okay, do not be tortured about that. We are identified with something. In theory, we know it's not us. On some level, that's happening. I mean, again, we have to be honest with that. We, we won't say, no, no, no. I'm fully identified as an Atma and, and the prospect of the Atma in the context of the Swarup Shakti. Okay, hopefully. I be, if you tell me sincerely, I believe you. <laughs> but you have to show that with example as well. <laughs> if that's not happening, it means on some degree that's not happening. And, and, and it's okay. It's, that's what it means to be a Saraka. It's okay in the sense, I mean, I'm not promoting that, but 
it, it has to happen. We won't give just a quantum leap from from whatever, Shraddha to, to Bhava, Bhakti. I mean, there are so many chapters in between. So you need to to, to be, as Krishna says in the Gita, Yukta Hara Biharasya, Yukta Chistasya Karmasu, Yukta Swapna Babodasya, Yoga Dukha Hibhavati. Those who are regulated in uh, in recreating themselves, those who are regulated in whatever occupational duties they have in life, work, job, whatever they do, those who are regulated in sleeping and being awoken, they can, by the practice of yoga, we take that bhakti, they can mitigate all suffering. So you have to be regulated, means you have an acquired nature, that will take you, you need to sleep something, you need to be awake in something, you may need a partner in your life, you may need a family, as my Guru Maharaj will say, to feel yourself whole, it's okay. I mean, it's not something that is pointing at how conditioned you are and how needy you are. I mean, all those things can be connected with bhakti. That's how user-friendly bhakti is. Again, I'm speaking from a bhakti perspective. If you are a jnani, that's more difficult because they may tell you, all that is maya, it's illusion, you should renounce the world, eventually you should be accepting sannyas, and that's, that's if not, there's something wrong there. Um, Again, that's a much more limited scope <laughs> because Gyan is not so powerful as Bhakti. But Bhakti is so powerful that you can have a wife, you can have children, you can have a job. Again, that's not an excuse no? because <laughs> it's easier said than done. You can say, yeah, Bhakti is too powerful so you can do whatever you like and connect that with Bhakti. Yeah, but you, 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 you have to have the, the, the vision to do that. If not, you can become really entangled also. And I've seen that also in devotees. Like, no, 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 but Bhakti is... A service to Krishna, this is for... But you are not showing that with your example. <laughs> so we have to be sincere about that. We have to be sincere about what do we need as, as humans. And to be sincere on how, on which level those necessities, we have the capacity to connect them with bhakti. And understand, as much as I don't have the, the capacity to connect them, that will entangle me. And that won't be a necessity, actually. I mean, we, 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 it's okay that we have certain necessities. It's no problem. But it's okay also to understand those ne- my ultimate necessity is bhakti. So whatever other necessity I have, because of still being identified as such or such, I will connect those relative necessities with the ultimate necessity, that is my connection with, with the center. As much as I cannot connect that necessity to that other necessity, it becomes a distraction. And I should have that honesty, that integrity. Because if not, in the name of, now everything is bhakti, I may, I may be going somewhere else. So in that way, you can do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pra- Of course, in practice, it will have so many nuances and how to do that. It may be complex, for sure. <laughs> That's what life's about. I mean, do not try to to skip that chapter, please. <laughs> we need complexity and, 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 and the challenge of harmonizing complexity and in bringing harmony to our life to bring... Today I was reading one quote from Sila Siddharmaraj, and he will say that harmony is the capacity of bringing, putting different interests in the context of a common interest. And so that's what we are after. We may have some personal interest that we need to fulfill, again, as human, as whatever, citizen in this world. But ideally, that 
interest should be put under the umbrella, if you will, of the common interest, Krishna consciousness. As much as we are able to do so, there is no problem. And, and we can integrate. That's my point of integrating my, who I am and being a devotee. Try to integrate the two. Try to, whatever you need to do to perform as a human, as a Bulgarian citizen or whatever, as a man, as a father, as this, as a, all these lists of upadis, there are upadis, like it or not. I mean, you will, you will not be a Bulgarian man forever. <laughs> you follow. And you will be a, a, a Japanese lady forever, Sakirati. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> And I won't be a, a sannyasi forever. Not because I've been planning to break my vows in this lifetime, but <laughs> because <laughs> it's still an upadi also. So, okay, that's, so I know how temporary that is. I'm not over-absolutizing that. That's the point, because when you get distracted, that becomes like the all-in-all, all, and, and, it, and it is not. I mean, it, it's still an upadi. I'm not dismissing that. I'm not condemning that. I understand I have to water that, to nourish that on some level. And that on some level will be established according to how much I remain viewing the real prospect, the eternal, the permanent reality. So everything in place, so I will pay attention to my, let's say, relative necessities in the context of integrating them with my devotional project, with my ultimate necessity. As much as I can do that, there's no problem. But it's a very fine line, so we have to remain very <laughs> attentive and careful. Because we can become misled. And we can still be watering weeds, if you will, and not the real vine, as sometimes the example is given. And in the name of being myself and nourishing my human necessities, we may be doing that without Krishna in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the plan, if you will. So that will distract you. And that happens. And that happens in our practice sometimes on some level or another. Again, it's not black and white. It's We, we may do it that successfully on a good level. And on some level, sometimes still we, whoop, we're still doing. <laughs> so gradually we try to to connect all our relative necessities more and more with, with Bhagavan. And by doing that, we gradually become more identified with the necessities of Bhagavan. That's another level altogether. In the beginning, we may be more concerned. I, I have necessities. <laughs> so, okay, how I connect my necessities with somehow with Bhagavan? And by doing that sincerely in time, you start to realize, well, my necessities are not the great thing, actually. Are not so necessary. Now, when you, when you grow, that's my point. In the beginning, it may be the all in all. Like if you are a child, and I don't know, you have a toy and the toy breaks, it's the end of the world for you. I mean, there's nothing more apart from... You cannot think about what happened in the next five minutes. It's apocalypsis. The whole world... Be, because it's so, you are so self-centered that that thing that you love, like, broke. I mean, you cannot conceive anything else. Your prospect is so limited. <laughs> Now, hopefully, we have grown in that direction. <laughs> and we realize life goes on. So, you realize that necessity was not so necessary, actually. I can't survive without a broke, broken toy. That's, let's say. So, my point is the same. In, in some stage, you have some necessities. Because we are identified in such a way that we feel that thing is really necessary. Strictly speaking, it's not necessarily 
from the perspective of the soul. We have to bear that in mind. <laughs> but okay, I feel that necessary necessity. I cannot transcend that necessity by pressing a button. So I have to do something with that. I cannot just repress myself. But as much as I do that properly, I start to realize that necessity was actually not that necessary because you are getting closer to the soul. So you start to identify more with the necessities of you as Atma in connection with your source. So what do I need as Atma? What do my source need? Eventually we spoke about that in the lecture of Gadadhar Pandit Sabir Bhav. In our tradition we have a really needy God. Krishna is so much in need in Vrindavan. Mahaprabhu is so much in need. They need so much. So we have so much opportunity of serving them according to their need that is out of love. Not, it's not a need out of material identification. It's another type of neediness. So as we get closer to our goal, the there will be that switch more and more. In the beginning, I have some needs. How can I include God in the picture and, and connect them so they in integrate my relativity with the Absolute? But gradually, you purify yourself, you get closer to Krishna, you realize... I'm starting to get more identified, interested in his needs, in my Gurudev's needs. That's a way of saying interested in Krishna's needs, not coming to me through the Guru. But it has to be natural, again. Of course, some struggle will be there and some sacrifice, but it cannot be too forced because it won't last. But due to proper purification and mercy, gradually we will get more and more focused in that direction. And we won't feel oh, I'm forgetting myself and now I'm concentrating. You will feel, this is myself. I'm finding my real I more and more <laughs> as I get closer to my source, to my shelter, and I identify with that. And, and, I, and I feel, that's me. That's the one, the one I want to be. But again, it's, it's not forced. But if we remain on the proper sadhu sangha, it will become natural because you will receive that example from more advanced status. And we, as I said before, we will identify with that prospect. Oh, I would like to be like that. Even though you feel I'm not there <laughs> and I still need to solve certain issues, still that prospect is there shining in your life. So that puts everything else in context. Even though you are here and dealing with so many things, <laughs> that light there still is shining on some level, <laughs> some little flame showing... Remember this, Masrila Maharaj will say, your guru is your own potential appearing in front of you, showing, look, you can become all this. <laughs> so maybe you are not there immediately, but you receive such impression and you really start to gradually point in that direction. Okay, now I'm here, I'm dealing with this, solving all this, but I know that's the converging point, the goal. So you are two, you're two feet up here, but your eyes are in that direction. So gradually we get closer to that when dealing with all this relativity, if you will. So something, Mahaprabhu, I don't know. Hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, just also another reminder that Bhakti might be easy, but it's not lazy process. And like uh, Iman Kwas Tripurai Maharaj was saying that devotees don't want to tax their intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to take certain things and, you know, women are bad, this world, this uh, material, shit, so this, and you say this, and okay, and now I see it through this lens, but it's not natural, so it doesn't last, or it makes you sick, you know, this, I recently met a devotee who is a very nice guy, 
I really like him, like talking to him, but he is in another mission. He was just one after another such postulates. And I was thinking that this is not natural. So, mm. as I said, natural process. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. and it's also, again, it's not a lazy thing. You know, exactly. Yeah, honest, I did. Yeah. Like yeah. in this podcast, you shared Take Note mm -hmm. a while ago. The main speaker, the guest, he was saying that he had a, made a resolution not to live his life uh, fakely, you know, to in a fake situation, to be honest with himself. So I think that this is something that can help in this balance between yourself. Yeah, yeah that, that's that what it means to be a devotee. Bhagavatam described devotee as satam, and satam means, has to do with sat. Sat means truth. truth. So satam means a truthful person, honest honest person so i mean turn off the mic one second Mahaprabhu, please and hear myself <laughs> so yeah it's simple i mean honest it's simple but it's not easy to be simple no. <laughs> krishna says in the gita susu kam kartuma abhyayam yeah you can execute this practice very easily very joyfully uh well <laughs> yeah yeah the idea is it should be done naturally. I, I take it like that. When Krishna says, Susukam kartuma abhyayam, bhakti is easily executed. means you should approach the practice as naturally as you can. You shouldn't just make a show of that. You shouldn't try to embrace bhakti in a forced way that is not natural, that is not... Again, there's, as, as, as you mentioned, there should be some sacrifice because we are not in our natural constitutional position now so how naturally we can practice bhakti <laughs> i mean the ragatmikas will practice naturally you know it's, it's, it's spontaneous as sometimes they say it's a, there is a spontaneity in us it's not just like coming naturally but so but we can make a as you mentioned a voluntary sacrifice and decision in trying to practice not extreme sacrifice that will take you out of your mm, psychological balance but also yeah not being lazy so so yeah it's, it's in the beginning there is place for that in the beginning when one begins the practice sometimes one is more immature and one needs all these sets of fixed things and rules and you feel okay i have all the absolute truth with me i know what to say to every single question and i and i have all the magical formulas and and you repeat them and blah 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 and you feel you need that security like okay it's it it is but eventually, again, there's more Utsahamayi, like like the enthusiasm that comes from the very first experience that I know it all, I know where I am, I know what to say. And after some days you realize that, that that's not a fact, that there's so still so much uncertainty and doubt and fear and lack of realization of those words. You may know all those words, but to reach from Gyan to Big Gyan, from theory to wisdom, from knowledge to wisdom, that's a huge step i mean that that can take as long as, as as you as you want so but again it's a in some stages that can happen the, the problem is when there is place for that but it's it, it came the moment for you to transcend that stage and you still is, insist to remain there that's when problem comes it, it, it's, it's okay to be a kanishta i mean you have to you know you're it's glorious actually you, are, you already have some adhikar for bhakti. That's what Srila Purimara said when when he heard that someone said in brief, Purimara is a Kanishta Dikari. We say, oh, 
someone thinks that I have some Adhikar for Bhakti. Oh, and he starts to venerate. Like indicating what any Adhikar for Bhakti is glorious. But at the same time, to remain a neophyte is not the goal. So there is place for that. But whenever the, the moment has come to to mature and go to the next stage, <clears throat> that same thing that was needed and unhealthy next will be dysfunctional. Like when you were a baby, it was needy, it was necessary, sorry, and, and nourishing to receive your mother's breast milk. Mm. Such a nice picture, the mother giving breast milk to the baby, the, the very symbol of, of affection. But if you have grown more and you don't need that anymore and you insist to your mother being a teenager, I want my breast milk, that same thing that was so beautiful now is the cause of dysfunctionality. Do you follow? So the same happens with us. I was speaking with one Vaishnavi, God sister of mine recently, and she was telling me, Maharaj, I had gone through some experiences that after them, I needed to take some, to disappear from the public scene. Because some gossip was there and violence and social media, all this weird stuff. So I felt the necessity of like isolating myself a little bit. And I felt that it was good for me that I received, it was a stage of introspection, of contemplation. I, I got strength and vision. But after some time, I felt, oh, now this became a comfort zone. <laughs> I mean, for some time it was healthy and necessary and good. But at some time, it started to become the opposite. So she needed to move forward now. So that happens. That's one example of so many things in our life that we feel, okay, now I need to take this stance. Again, I, I was a Kanista. Okay, it was good. It was nourishing. But if I insist on remaining there when I should leave, that becomes counterproductive because it, it becomes a form of comfort zone. And Krishna will make the arrangement to kick you out from that. <laughs> but if you insist to remain there, that can take the form of very unbecoming scenarios. So be careful with that. And be ready to, to go to the next stage. Because if you want to remain in your comfort zone, because you find comfort there, by insisting on that, when you should be leaving, the last thing you will find is comfort there. It's paradoxical, but if you get attached to your comfort zone, as much as you get attached, the less comfort you will find. And, and the more you enter into that new chapter that you find challenging and not so comfortable, the new higher comfort is waiting you there, actually. <laughs> so that's how it works. Home comforts, in the words of Silasidhar Maharaj. We're after that. That's the ultimate comfort for the soul. Okay, there was one question from, from Mirella. Do you hear me? Uh, yes, so um, first thank you for all of your uh, all of the love and knowledge and uh, compassion that you give to us uh, in your answers. Mm. I really appreciate it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Thank you. So uh, my question uh, is uh, how, if a devotee doesn't live with uh, their guru, how can they please him? And the sub-question of that is, uh, so I don't interrupt you, so I ask the, all of the questions. Uh, if, 
if you're going to tell me that we should please the Vaishnavas that are around us, can, can, what does can, that mean exactly? Can you repeat the second one? I didn't hear the first part of the second yeah, part. Yes, so uh, if you're going to tell me that uh, I should please the Vaishnavas that are around me, what does that mean huh. exactly? Huh. What does it mean to serve them and to please them? Should I like find what are their needs and desires and like try to uh, please them in, in that way? What, what does it mean to serve and please? Okay. Uh, okay. okay. I think in yeah. Okay, I'll reply today because that's a long one. But I'll reply today because I'm not sure if next next month we will have meeting because. I don't know. I may be already there with you, and of course we can <laughs> we can continue. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, I will say something now. If something remains, we will continue speaking. We will have Q and A live there in, in a month or so. So first question is how to please the guru if you are not living with him. I mean, you can live with your guru, and by living with your guru, last thing you are doing is pleasing him. That can happen. <laughs> I mean, if you are not properly situated, maybe the best thing is not to live with your guru, I will say, because he won't be very happy by having you there being a, a disturbance to the whole community. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm, my point is that, I mean, it's not that living with the guru necessarily represents pleasing him or her more. It's, that's not the case. And of course, if you have a good attitude... And, it, and, and, and if the opportunity comes to live with the Guru, that's a very nice experience. Hmm? I'm sure Samananda can share some, some experiences of that, as well as myself and so many others. But the point is that, also, what does it mean to live with the Guru again? Because <laughs> it's not a geographical uh, coincidence. Oh, we happen to be in the same place and live with my Guru. Silasya hmm? Maras will give the example... In the body of the Guru, there are so many germs and bacteria and so many people living very closely to him, very intimately connected to him. <laughs> but all of them are extracting energy, taking. They are not thinking about dedicating themselves. Do you follow? So externally, you can be close to your Guru, but if you are not properly situated, that may be not, not very good for you to be so close to such a great person in the wrong spirit. That can be especially dangerous. If you don't have the proper attitude, better to remain at a distance <laughs> and change the attitude for sure. So, <clears throat> so placing the Guru, again, if you are not living with the Guru, again, means for whatever reason, physically speaking, and most of the, the point is most of the disciples do not live with the Guru. And especially nowadays, I will say, oh, sometimes, depending which Guru, so it's it's important that all of us think about that. So how to please the Guru? Again, it's trying to... I once asked that to my Guru Maharaj. Of course, it was my question and it was his answer to me. But I feel that his answer can be applicable to all of you, knowing himself. So he told me, I asked him, which will be, I, I think I told you this 108 times already, but I will repeat it again because I need to remind that to myself. So I ask him, what can I do to please you the most? To please you the most in my limited capacity because I don't feel I, I have the potential to please him the most. But according to what I can offer, 
what will please you the most? <laughs> and he told me, try to increase your commitment with the ideal. End of the reply. And there he gave me homework for a few lifetimes. So again, it seemed, and I've immediately thought about Srila Siddharmaras when this devotee asked Srila Siddharmaras, what can I do? What service can I do? And Srila Siddharmaras said, try to change your angle of vision. It's that same spirit of the answer. He didn't say, wash the pots, clean the bathroom, distribute books, give me a donation, whatever. I mean, it, you can do all those things for sure, but first, <laughs> change your angle of vision. Try to increase your commitment with the ideal. Try to embrace with more and more integrity <clears throat> all these gifts that you are receiving. And, and that's the most challenging thing, of course, the most difficult service, but the most important one. I mean, that's my point. Okay, that's the most challenging thing, but that's what he places here the most. So, do I want to accept that? No, 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 because it's too challenging. Give me something easier, Gurudev. I don't want to say that to my Guru. It's the most challenging thing, but it's the thing that he said that will please me the most. So I want that. That's all, because I want to identify it with your with the with the with your taste, with your affinity, and of course, what he's asking to me will be the best thing for me as well. It's not something he's asking for his own. A sadhu has not separate interest. When a sadhu, if you ask a sadhu, what can I do for you? whatever he will say will be beneficial for you, not for him or for her. <laughs> that's what it means to sadhu. So that's connected with the second question, because we say we have to serve the Vaishnavs. And should I, you ask, should I learn what they like the most and should I please them? Yeah, for sure. As, as much as, of course, there are Vaishnavs, again, there, and there are levels of Vaishnavs. So the degree of Vaishnavism in each Vaishnav is different. So as you should please the Vaishnavism in each Vaishnav, if you will. <laughs> you follow? I mean, a Kanishta Vaishnav is a Vaishnav and may have some personal tastes that if you try to satisfy those tastes too much, you may not be helping that person, let's say. <laughs> because that person doesn't have the level of Vaishnavism to direct all those things that you are giving to him, to her, and connect them in the context of Bhakti. So your intention may be good, but the person may become a little bit distracted by so many gifts, if you will. <laughs> Let's say you want to give someone one million dollar donation. Not every Vaishna will, will know what to do with that. Not every practitioner will have the, the adhikar, the, the, the capacity of taking all that and not taking anything of that for oneself. An example. Huh? But my point is that the Vaishnava Sadhu Guru will be pleased with those things that are pleasing to Krishna. I mean, there shouldn't be a separate agenda there. No? Like, yeah, give me this that pleases me. No, no, it's always like in the flow of parampara. It's not, I, I won't take it to me. So that, that's the whole idea of pleasing the sadhus. That actually you are pleasing your guru, and his guru is pleasing his guru, and his guru is pleasing his guru, and that pleasing current converges in in, in, in Sri Krishna, in Bhagavan. And so it's not just, I please the sadhu and everything stopped there. No, it reached all through the way to, to Bhagavan. Because that's the idea of sadhu. They won't take anything for themselves. So they won't ask you something for themselves. Hmm? So again, on some level, yeah, you can find, oh, okay, this devotee likes pizza, I will prepare pizza. 
he will be happy with that. It's nice. I mean, it's a detail, but it's nice. Sham uh, Sakirati was saying she's she 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 prepares some different preparations of prasad for his Vaishnav husband, Shamananda Prabhu. And that I heard the lecture yesterday, just in case. <laughs> you should be doing some series of cooking for Tato Bibe. We can speak about that later. <laughs> but I appreciated the point. Because she was saying, I'm doing this in the context of Vaishnav Seva. I want to please him. Of course, I'm sure it's not the only way. It's not that she's trying only to cook nicely, so she doesn't have to please in any other way a Vaishnav like Shamananda. No, it's not that you're trying to, okay, Gurudev, look how nice pizza, so do not ask anything else from me. I'm, having, I'm giving you so much nice prasad, so that's all. <laughs> of course, even if that's all, okay, nice, you have to begin somewhere. <laughs> but again, we want to to embrace the most substantial type of uh, pleasing instructions, if you will. I, okay, I, I, my Gurumash likes this preparation, I will give that, etc., but he wants me to surrender to Krishna. He wants me to increase my commitment. With, I know that he will be especially pleased, she will be especially pleased by seeing my increasing of Krishna consciousness, basically. that's a, And it may sound abstract. You know, sometimes we need concrete stuff. You know, like, tell me what to do. Tell me what can I give you as a gift. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it doesn't work like that. Or sometimes some sadhus will be more... I don't know, user-friendly in that connection. For example, I'm not a sadhu, but sometimes devotees ask me, Maharaj, what do you like the most in this and that? And I'm terrible for those things. I, I don't have too much. Of a, what do I like to eat the most? I don't know. I don't have too much favorite things. Or what can I, I want to give you a gift. Do you need a, a jacket? No, thank you. I don't need, I don't use jackets. Do you want a trouser? I don't use trousers. So I, nobody can give me any gift in that sense. <laughs> But of course, I tell, if you want to give me a gift, and I try to ask them the most substantial thing as possible, not for me again, but for themselves. And some t- people may get a little bit frustrated, like, oh, Maharaj, yeah, I know all those gifts you want, but I want to give you something else. And sometimes I want to give you something else can be a way of escaping the other thing. That can happen also. <laughs> or sometimes that person is giving herself, himself so much, but on top of that, they want to give something else. Okay, that's nice. I will accept the trousers in those cases. <laughs> Somehow. I will wear them just once for the picture and that's all. <laughs> but, yeah, I will say the main thing to please Sadhu, Guru, Vaishnavis through our sincere dedication, surrender, commitment with the practice, with our sadhana, with our ideal, with our honesty as we were speaking today that's the most important thing mm. that's the most pleasing thing for for a real sadhu a real sadhu will only be pleased with those type of things if it's, it's a so-called sadhu is pleased with something else mm, mm, i have to start to question that sadhuness if you will you follow and, and we find so many of those things so-called gurus so-called guidances that will ask you service that will be pleasing to them, but all this is in, in another context. So that's not going to Krishna, if you will. That's ending in, in that person's pockets or bank account or whatever. <laughs> so so it's not healthy for any of them, for the for any of the two parts. So it's it's nice to know that. No, and, and, and to and, and and I think that's very nice because my point is you are not living with the guru, and with this I'm finishing, you are not living with the guru in the in, in the ashram. 
you may not be having daily personal relationship, but whatever you do on your daily basis, your practices, you, f you can feel and connect them. This is my service to my Guru Dev. This is my offering to the Vaishnavas. This round, each round of japa and chanting, each plate of prasad I'm preparing, each incense I'm offering to the picture of Krishna, all of this I'm doing with the intention of pleasing them. They may not receive the full notification. At this moment, Murela is offering one instance to this. But somehow the arrangement is done. That will reach their heart with mystical arrangement of Krishna. So you have to have faith that's working. So, and I don't need to send them the picture. Look, all the instances I offer this week. And look, all the whatever. I mean, we are not trying to make a show of what we are doing. We are doing out of natural desire. So, so I think that's nice. I remember one Sila Prabhupada says... To chant once the, the prescribed number of rounds that one committed with one's guru, that's the most important service to his spiritual master. It's one way, one of the many ways of putting this point. Generally, one may not feel chanting my japa is my seva to my guru, what to speak, my most important service. So it's, a, it's one way you can really reconceive this idea. When I sit and chant, I'm doing that because. I received Nam from Guru, for those who have received Harinam. I received a number, I committed my... So there's a link there, it's a connection with, with that person, with the sadhu there. I'm doing this out under his, her auspices, inspiration. So it's my offering to that person. It depends on how you feel, how you conceive whatever you're doing. You can be just sweeping the floor, and internally you are offering that for the pleasure of the Vaishnav. And you may be externally waving an instance to the picture of your guru, and your mind may be somewhere else. So, what's more close to, to a service to the Vaishnava? <laughs> of course, you have Bapu, Bani, some other considerations we may say, but, and it's nice when the guru or the sadhu comes physically, you can serve them, you can cook for them, you prepare a garland, you whatever. It's, it's nice, it's nice experience. But sometimes the, the most substantial thing that will be always there is Bani which is the instruction, the example given by the sadhu and how, how much we identify and commit ourselves with that legacy. That will be, remain always. The body of the sadhu may be there, may not be here. Someday the sadhu will leave the body. But the bani remains there. The example, the legacy is there. So that's why Srila Siddhartha say when the guru passes away, that's when you will realize if you are a disciple or not. <laughs> Like implying how much you are connected with the essence of that person. How much you, you do not depend on the physical presence there. On one level, we, in one stage we may depend, but at one point the connection has to be on a higher level. And the relationship will continue developing, even after the physical body is no longer there. <laughs> okay, we continue in Sofia, live and direct with further extension of the reply. So thank you so much to all of you for being present there. I'm very excited to, to meeting you very soon, almost in a month or so, exactly in a month, I think. Uh, on the, in exactly in one month, I will have my flight there, so we'll be seeing very soon. So prepare further questions and bless me with the opportunity of serving you all by opening my mouth for a while like I'm doing now. <laughs> and, well, basically that, we, we, we see if we, we have time for organizing one more session at the end of June. I'm not sure, but we can organize, and if not, we will be sharing personally there during during July. So, 
थैंक यू सो मच शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमान हरि हरि बो